My name is Al Hicks. I am not the pastor here. For those of you on watching online, if you don't know, I'm, I'm obviously not the pastor here. Chad is our pastor. But he got to go away to the men's retreat, and he asked me to preach uh, on Tuesday. Um, and I said, sure. So I didn't have a sermon prepared, and so I had to prepare one. And um, it is prepared because God prepared me. He put it upon my heart, and now I'm to deliver that to you. But I just want to tell you something before we go into prayer, that this past week I had a conversation with a, a couple that I did not know. And this was a telephone conversation, and it was a business transaction. And it was a negotiation. And I started it off by telling them that I am a born-again Christian, that I have to answer to God, and if this is to work, it's going to work out well. And if it's not to work out, if God doesn't want this to happen, it will not work. And if it doesn't work out, there is nothing we're going to do going forward. Her response was, I am too. Thank you for sharing that. And his response was, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. I was, or I went to a private high school, a a Christian school. And then I went to a Christian college. And he said, I know all about that too. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who it is that you are. Lord, we just thank you for your blessings, your grace, your mercy, your love. Lord, I, I'm not worthy. But you bless me and you love me. And you love me, Lord, before I was even saved. I, I just don't get you, Lord. But Lord, I'm glad you got me. Thank you, love, Lord, for all that you do, the things that we don't even understand that you do. Lord, we just need to stand up and worship you. Lord, I just pray today as we go into this message that you work through me, Lord. Help me to just stay out of your way and just speak through me, Lord, and allow us to learn exactly what you called us to learn today. Oh, Lord, how I love you. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, these people, I would tell you, after I talked to them, I found them to be really wonderful people. But I do wonder, I just wonder something. You know, he said, I know all about that stuff too. But that statement doesn't matter. That statement doesn't cut it. The question is, do you believe that stuff? That's what matters. Now, believe means to, it's your whole being that you know that you know that you know. It is with your heart, your mind, your soul, the Bible says, that you believe. But believe what? That you believe that Jesus came down from heaven. He was born of a virgin. That he grew up a sinless man. 
yet he was fully God. That he, being sinless, died on the cross a sinner's death. And he did, he died for me. He died for you. He paid the price for my sin. He paid the price for your sin. And then three days later, he arose. And he came back to this earth as proof that he was God. And then he ascended back into heaven to be with God forever. If you believe, if you believe with your heart and your mind and your soul that that is true, and then it says, the Bible says, and if you confess that with your mouth, you tell others, the Bible says you are saved. You are no longer lost. There is no other way but God's way. He's the man in charge, and he's the one who gets to make the rules. We can't come to him our way. We must come to him his way. So as I went through and listened to this and thought about our conversation, it occurred to me that this man that I talked to may be lost. Do you realize that you can't get any more lost than lost? You can be a good man, a good moral man. But if you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're lost, the Bible says. You're in the same condition as Hitler, as Saddam Hussein. You're lost. There are no levels of lost. You're either lost or you're saved. I don't think anybody wants to be compared to Hitler. Yet we do so by being, or by thinking, to our own salvation. Understand what I said? The Bible says that we are to walk on faith. We want to walk naturally on knowledge. That's thinking. He asked us not to do that. He asked us to walk in faith. You know, we also have to remember that the lost are no different than the demons. Hmm. And I want to turn in our Bibles to Mark. Mark chapter 1. But John 3.16, I want to read that first. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him shall not die but have everlasting life. That's what the Bible says. That's God's way that you've got to come to him. It's the only way. So let's read Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. It says, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the land of the Gerasenes. Just as Jesus was climbing from the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit ran out from the cemetery to meet him. The man lived among the tombs 
and could not be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever they put the chains and shackles onto him, as it often happened, he snapped the chains from his wrist and crushed the shackles. No one was strong enough to control him. All day long, throughout the night, he would wander among the tombs and in the hills, screaming and hit himself with stones. This was a possessed man. It says, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him. He ran to meet Jesus and fell down before him and gave a terrible scream, shrieking, Why are you bothering me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? For God's sakes, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked, What's your name? And the Spirit replied, Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the priest begged, or I'm sorry, the spirits, the evil spirits, begged him again and again not to send him to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the evil spirits begged. Jesus gave permission, so the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake where they drowned. What did, the, what did these demons know about Jesus? Okay, this is very interesting. They knew his spiritual name. They knew all about him. They knew that he was son of the Most High God. Jesus never referred to himself as that, as a human being. But the demons are spiritual. And they knew his spiritual name, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. They knew it. They knew all about him. They knew that he could cast them into the bottomless pit. They begged him not to do so. They knew all that about him, but they didn't believe to be saved by him. It doesn't matter what you know. It matters what you believe. Knowledge is not belief. But let me ask you this. What about you Christians? I'm not asking if you're saved. I'm asking if you have this desire for God to be more than just your Savior. Do you desire God to be your Lord? You know, the Bible talks very clearly that we will receive crowns, rewards in heaven. But it also says, but there are some that just barely get by, and they're, in fact, their clothes, it says, are singed. They barely made it. There's no crowns for them. Us Christians, we have to quit fooling around with God. We fool around with God all the time. You know, we act spiritual here on Sunday and then act like the devil the other six days of the week. That's not what God's called us to do. God's called us out to be holy. He says, be holy as I'm holy. He says to study my words, study my commands, but 
studying doesn't get it done. He says to obey my commands. The question is, do we have a desire to obey God's commands? The demons have no desire, no desire to obey God's commands. By the way, the word obey means to fully commit. It has the same connotation as the word devout. No, devote. It has the same connotations as the word devote. I'm going to say it again. Devote. And devote means to turn oneself over to God. Are we going to fully obey God? Or are we going to fool around with God? You see, partial obedience is disobedience. King Saul partially obeyed God and he thought he was in a good spot. And God stripped him of his kingship. Took the Holy Spirit away from him. Because he fooled around with God and thought somehow he knew better. He didn't know better. You know, God doesn't stop loving and caring for you. Why do we stop obeying God? Now, I want to also now give you what it looks like to obey and to devote oneself. So turn with me to Luke, also chapter 5. Luke, chapter 5. And here we're going to read verses 1 through 11. Let me read this. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and they were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, now this is Simon Peter, who after chapter 6 only gets referred to as Peter. So this Simon is Peter, Simon Peter. And Simon Peter was its owner. So he asked him to push him out in the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he was finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets, and you will catch many fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night. We didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll try again. And this time their nets were so full they began to tear. A shout for help brought other partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish. And they were on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what happened he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the size of his catch and the others with him. His partners, uh, James and John, the son of Zebedee, were also amazed. 
And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Or as the King James says, you'll be fishers of men. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I would tell you that is obedience. You know, one of the things, if we go back and look, in verse 5, Simon said, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Now, we must understand this about Simon Peter and John and James. These guys were professional, seasoned fishermen. And I think if it were anybody else making this request, he'd laugh them out of their sight. What do you mean, just go out deeper and catch fish? Do you think we don't know where the fish are? This is what we do for a living. This is how we provide for our families. We know exactly how to fish. And then he said... But he didn't say that. He just said, we've worked hard all night. We didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll try again. Now, how many of you have ever had a conversation with God when he asks you to do something and you say, yeah, but. Yeah, but God, what about this? Yeah, but. Lord, I know what I'm doing over here. And God says, you don't know what you're doing. You just think you know what you're doing. And by the way, when we step down that path and we ignore God because we think we know what we're doing, we get ourselves into a heap of trouble. There's no blessing, no blessing in disobedience. There is no blessing in partial disobedience. There is never a blessing for sin, never. He just said, if you say, we'll try again. So the question is, was Simon Peter blessed for his obedience? He was miraculously blessed for his obedience. Let's read it in 6 and 7. It says, and this time their nets were so full they began to tear. A shout for help from their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. That's a miracle. Now let's read on. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, this was his reaction. He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. In other words, he's saying, I am not worthy to be in your presence. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. When you obey, you are automatically blessed somehow. That is God's promise throughout the Bible. Obedience leads to blessing. Obedience leads to blessing. Not knowledge of what to do, but doing what you're supposed to do. James 4.10, I think it is, says that when you know what you ought to do, you know what you ought to do, and don't do it, it is sin. You see, people, we are fooling around with God all around the place. We put our hope and our faith in our politicians. We watch the news, and we only got to watch one channel of the news, because the other channel's no good. We're a mess. 
We don't have peace. We've got turmoil. We don't want God's blessings because we don't obey. I just wonder what what Jesus would say to us if he was here in our, our presence today. And if we would be like Simon Peter and say, if you say so, Lord, I will. Or would we say, yeah, but... Do you realize that God's blessings are always blessings? I'm sorry, are always miracles. But they're not miraculous if you take them for granted. In the Old Testament, in Chronicles, Second Chronicles 7.14, it says... that we are to stop our sinful ways. That's disobedience. That's partial obedience. And we are to obey. And we are to seek God's face. What does seeking God's face mean? It means when you start obeying, you want to obey more. You want to obey more and more and more and be like Moses and say, Lord, let me see your face. Moses was a tremendous man of God. He was a friend of God. The question is, are you God's friend? He's your friend, but are you his friend? And Jesus even said, if you love me, you will obey me. We don't obey God. We fool around with God. We, have, we treat him like he's not something special. He's really special. You know, believe and obey leads to blessings. But oftentimes, when we get away from God, we take up Peter's stance and say, yeah, but I'm a professional fisherman, and let me tell you how it really is, God. And then all we get is frustration, and in the Old Testament it's called curses. When you disobey God, you are cursed. Well, here's the question. What blessings are you missing out on? You don't know, because God doesn't give them to us in advance. He didn't tell Peter, if you cast over here, he said, I'm going to bless you like you've never seen. But Peter said, because you say so, I'll do it. So the question is, how do we better obey? Well, first of all, I don't think people revere God. Now, the definition of revere is to regard as worthy of great honor. If you revere God, you understand that he is worthy to ask you to obey. If you don't revere God, you probably won't even hear him. You've all been there. I've been there. Right? We've been on a mountaintop experience, and it seems like just a little bit later that I'm off doing my own thing, thinking I'm smart, right? I'm blessed. Why am I blessed? Because I'm good. 
That's what we think. Then God knocks us to our knees and says, no, it's my way, not your way. So will we obey God if we don't revere God? No, I don't think so. You know, one of the ways that I think we can start to revere God right here is to look at nature. God gave us this beautiful place here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. His beauty is astounding. It's astounding. But let me also tell you something else. Before I moved to Green Bay, I had no idea what Green Bay was about. In fact, when I was a little kid growing up in eastern Montana, the town was Glendive. As I grew up there, all I knew is what I saw. And all I saw was normal. This is what I had. I didn't see I didn't revere God for what I saw. I, I didn't understand it that way. Eastern Montana is, you know, it's the plains, the prairies, the badlands, and the Yellowstone River. There's no trees, hence the name for Montana Big Sky Country. Can you, you can see from horizon to horizon. There's no trees to get in your way. It is big sky country. And that sky is phenomenal. But you know, when you've been someplace a while, it becomes common. And you don't notice it as awesome. You notice it as common. It's what I got. It's just where we live. It's what everybody's got around here. In eastern Montana, the river that went through Glendive was the Yellowstone River. The other major river around there was the Missouri River. Both those rivers have nothing in common with the river around here. Those rivers are shallow. Those rivers are wide. They are swift. They are not a river. Neither one of them, they're muddy, both muddy. They are not rivers that you recreate on. You fear them. People die every day. I'm sorry, every year in the rivers. Either the current swept them away or they got taken under by a whirlpool and they drowned. You didn't swim in the river for sure. You never swam in the Yellowstone River. Who'd ever do that? Only a fool would do that. And then imagine my surprise. And by the way, in eastern Montana, as it is in most of the arid west, the prairie west, there's very little water. You have the rivers, but you don't have any lakes. don't have any ponds. And all the other rivers around there are really, really, really narrow, small. You know, something we might call a little creek might be called a river out there. But you can always tell where the rivers are because that's where the trees are. Because that's the only place you get water. And the, you don't get trees like we have trees around here. You get scrub. They're little pines or firs or something, little scrub trees. They're only about so big, but you can see them. They're green along the riverbank. So imagine my surprise... When we moved, my parents got transferred to Gaylord, Michigan. 
All of a sudden, I couldn't see the sky anymore because the trees are in the way. I could see up. I couldn't see out. And as a little kid, as we're traveling to Michigan for the very first time, I got really, really carsick because I couldn't look out at the horizon. All I could see is trees in my way. But oh, what trees we have here. So there is big trees. Right? There's maple, there's oak, there's elms. Big trees. There's big pine trees. There's ponderosas, there's white pines. It's unbelievable the trees that we have here. And not only that, those trees turn colors. Here, we have the fall colors. In Montana, we had fall. There was no fall colors. You know what? When we, we moved, my, and by the way, out west, everybody swam in a swimming pool. Because it's dangerous to swim in the river. There was no, no ponds or lakes around. So when I, told, when I was told that we were going to move to Michigan, my dad said, hey, by the way, you get to swim in the lakes. Not lake, lakes. There's lots of lakes. And so when he told me that, you know, do you guys remember on Sunday nights when I was a kid, hopefully some of you will remember this, there was a show called, um, I gotta, did I write it down? I did. Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. You remember that show? And then there was Marlon Perkins, right? He was the host. He was this gray-haired guy. And he'd go out there and do all these different things around the world with all these different animals. Well, a couple of times, he went with Jacques Cousteau. And he went scuba diving, either in the oceans or somewhere. And I just remember thinking, if we go to Gaylord, Michigan, and I can get to swim in a lake, I'm going to be like Jacques Cousteau. Man, I'm going to see fish and turtles. I'm going to see everything out there. Well, I didn't see that stuff. But it was pretty awesome. In Gaylord, Michigan, there was no pool. Why would you have a pool when you got lakes everywhere? But you know what I found, the people in Gaylord, Michigan found? That it was common. It was normal. This is just what we have. We didn't take awe of his beauty. We took it for granted. We didn't revere God and what he created We just took it for granted. And so about a year later, after we transferred, we went back to Glendive, Montana to visit. And imagine my shock at the beauty of eastern Montana. Because I don't remember it being beautiful. I just remember it being the way that it was. The aridness, man created a thin air. Not a hard, humid air, but a, just a nice air. The stars at night were brighter than anything you'll ever see around here. I marveled at God's beauty. But do we just take this stuff for granted? I think we do. You know, if you ever travel away from here, travel to Nebraska sometime. You will find God's beauty there. We don't revere God. We just kind of put him off on the shelf and don't listen to him. We ignore him. And when we do that, we get no blessings. 
But if you've ever been blessed by God and you thank him for the blessings, you should feel exactly like Peter did, like Simon Peter did, right? When he said, you're not worthy. Mel even brought this up today in Sunday school. Have you ever been blessed? And when you're blessed, you just fall all apart, right? You just weep because you're not worthy. But we don't get those blessings if we think we are worthy. we got to get off our pedestal and put God back on the pedestal. God is the one who needs to be revered, not Al Hicks. In my mind, as a human being, Al Hicks should be revered. Same in yours. That's the way it works. But God asks us to what? Believe in him. And the Bible says over and over and over again to believe and obey him. And we typically don't obey him. So the other thing is when we moved to Gaylord, Michigan, now Gaylord, Michigan is 60 miles straight south of the Mackinac Bridge, right in the middle of Michigan in the lower peninsula. And it is really hilly. And since it's also the highest elevation in the lower peninsula, they average about 150 to 200 inches of snow a year. In Montana, it was so arid, if it did snow, you could never make a snowball. I had no idea what snowball fights were about until I moved to Gaylord, Michigan. I just thought that was awesome. You know what else they did in Gaylord, Michigan? When you're in sixth grade, they give you two hours out of the day, at the end of the day, to go have ski instructions. This is the coolest place in the world, I thought, man. But I got to ski, and I got to see God's beauty in the wintertime that I never, ever saw in Glendine, Montana. But what's our beauty here? You know, I remember I had a conversation with a lady once, and she was from New York City, and she said that the most beautiful thing in the world is New York City at Christmas time when it's all lit up. I just went, oh. She said, well, what's your idea of beautiful? I said, the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen is the very first snow that's strong enough to stick. And you go outside and you stand in that, and it's not blowing snow, it's just falling snow. There is a peace there that you cannot get from the lights of New York City. This is God's blessing upon us, oftentimes in spite of us. But just think how much better the blessing is when we obey. God wants to bless us. Throughout the whole Old Testament with the Jews, he kept saying, let me bless you. But he wouldn't bless sin. He's he's wanting to bless us, but he's not going to bless sin. We've got to quit fooling around with God and start obeying God. I want to read. You don't have to turn here. Just Romans 1. Verse 18, it says, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people, against all sinful, wicked people who push the truth away from themselves. These are lost people. For the truth about God 
is known to them instinctively. For God has put this knowledge in their hearts. From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky and all that God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and and divine nature, so they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. What about us Christians? What What excuse do we have for not revering God? You know, my, my um, mom died this past February. She was a week shy of her 90th birthday. My, do- my dad had died, uh, I think, 15 years prior. And so, upon death of my mom, we had to go in and clean out the house. And my mom was a really strong Christian. She had the spiritual gift of teaching. She taught Bible study for more than 50 years. I grew up in a wonderful household. And as I was going through her stuff, you know what I found? When I was a little kid, she used to tell me, oh, don't write in your Bible. So I never did until I was an adult. Like I just kind of ignored my mom's advice. But I found her teaching Bibles, and they were all written up. All over the place. You see, when you write in your Bible out of out of awe, it's pretty awesome. She was concerned I was going to write in my Bible not out of awe. Don't do that. But anyway, I found a bunch of her Bibles and her study stuff, and I took all that home with me. I just found it to be, what a blessing. Here's mom's writings all over the, this Bible. But another thing that I found, which was really, it just hit me was, you know, you know how parents are, right? We keep stuff of our kids that means a lot to us, but it doesn't really mean anything to them. So I found a project that I had done when I was in sixth grade. It was a leaf project. Now, we never did a leaf project in Glendive, Montana, because we had no trees. But we did a leaf project in um, Gaylord, Michigan, and... I opened this up and I started laughing because my penmanship was horrible to write. My printing was just as bad. I had no artistic skill at all. So I laughed. I'm like, okay, wonder what this thing's going to look like. On the front of it, on a blue folder, it said, Leaf Project by Alan Hicks. You know. <laughs> I opened up that leaf project, and there was lots of individual leaves on an individual page. And they were put between two pieces of wax paper, and then they were ironed, right, to keep them all together so they don't all fall apart. But it also did something that I didn't understand. It preserved them. So all of a sudden, I'm looking at this big maple leaf a maple leaf from a maple tree. I was in awe of the detail in that leaf. The color was starting to turn from green to red, so it was part red and green and some yellow in there. But the veins of that leaf were all still there. 
all of a sudden I didn't care about my project anymore. I was caught up in the awesomeness of God. We find God in the most weird places. I found him in Al Hicks' sixth grade leaf project. Are we looking for God? Are we ignoring God? I think we ignore God all the time. We get ourselves into trouble all the time. Is there a, 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 a blessing for ignoring God? Nope. It's curses. All we get is frustration. All we are proving is that we're like the world. We're acting as if we're lost. If you are saved, you are not lost. You can't go from being saved to lost. Jesus said, those are mine, and I hold them dearly, and no one can take them from me. We are saved. Are we going to act like it? I want to finish with this. You can turn there with me. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua's way towards the front of your Bible. On mine, it's page 310. (laughs) Joshua chapter 1. Turn there with me. This verse, or these verses, talk about the promises of God's blessing. And I want to read um, verses 2 through 9. Joshua chapter 1, verses 2, or verse 2. It says, Now that my service Moses is dead, you must lead my people across the Jordan into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Everywhere you go, you'll be on the land I have given you. That was their blessing. From the Negev Desert in the south to the Lebanon Mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River on the east to the Mediterranean Sea on the west, in all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand their ground against you as 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 long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you nor forsake you. That's God's promise to us too. But the question is, are we leaving God? He didn't leave us. Now listen to this. Verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead my people to possess all the land that I swore to give to their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Obey all the laws Moses gave to you. Do not turn away from them. Most translations say, don't turn from the right to the left. Do not turn away from them, and you'll be successful in everything that you do. Study the book of law continually. Meditate on it day and night so you are sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. I command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God wants to bless. He's given us the the how to get blessed. That how is to obey. And yet, we turn our backs on God. And then God deals with us. He doesn't just let us be. He deals with us. we got to get real with God. Quit fooling around. 
We're going to pray here in a minute. Karen, if you want to come. And we're going to pray in a way that's very important today. We are not going to get together in little groups and pray. We're going to pray just talking to God. You know, when the kids were little, we we prayed, and then they kind of modeled that prayer after what we did. And I'll never forget, I think it was Gideon that was praying at dinner time, and, and then he said, he finished with this, or he didn't finish with it, but in the middle here he said, God, place a hedge of protection around us. Because he heard me always say, Lord, place a hedge of protection around us. But he said, a hedge of protection. I knew right then that he was reciting what he heard. And I said, stop. Stop. Pray Just talk to God. And his prayer was, it was so childlike. It was so sweet. It was so sincere. And it was so simple. That's how we need to pray. So we're going to pray. And some of you may, God may be calling you to come up forward and to pray on this altar. I don't know that. But if he's called you to come up to this altar, obey him. I guarantee you'll be blessed. Otherwise, if he's not called you to come up, sit in your chair and pray. And we're going to talk to God. There also may be some of you who don't even know who Jesus is. You have not been saved yet. Your prayer, if it's not praying to get saved, is going to be worthless prayer. So you've got to get right with God first before you start praying. If you're not saved, then you need to be praying this. Lord, save me because I can't be saved on my own. I have sinned, and I know who you are. I know, Lord, that you are God that came down in man and was born of a virgin, and then he died a sinner's death. And he died that for me, and then he rose again. That's what you need to say. And then you need to, the Bible says, you need to confess that with your mouth. You need to come up here and tell me or tell Chad then we're going to really pray. You see, we need to pray, obey, and repent. Let us pray. Lord, we, we love you. not worthy but Lord your word also says when we we come to you and we depend on you 
lift us up and give us honor. You bless us, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray that we, we just talk to you. We confess our sin, Lord. We, we confess that we've not given you reverence. Lord, I just pray that we have a heart and desire to follow you. But, Lord, help us to follow you. Lord, I love you. I know, Lord, that we are not, we put on this facade. But, Lord, you know all about us. You know us right to our core. And, Lord, I just pray that we, we turn from our sin and turn to you, Lord. Turn from our partial obedience to full obedience so that we get your blessings, Lord. We get that, that ability to just commune with you, to talk with you. As Moses did, he said he, he talked a friend to a friend. Lord, you're, you're awesome. I love you. And Lord, I just pray as we finish with this last song, Lord, that we allow you to convict our hearts. And Lord, that we, we obey you today, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.